Welcome to this week's edition of the Insights Podcast on the Huddle Network. I'm David Campbell. And I'm Don Mills. Don, we had an excellent conversation today with Michelle Sims, the president and CEO of the Genesis Center at Memorial University. It is the main, the main or the top uh, uh, tech company incubator. It's been around for 25 years, and we got a really good sense of what they're up to. And there's some exciting things going on in Newfoundland and Labrador. Yeah, for sure. I, I learned a lot about uh, uh, the Genesis uh, Center. Didn't know much about it before. It's one of the reasons that we're doing this uh, podcast to begin with, to talk about the interesting things that are happening from an economic development perspective. Certainly the work of the Genesis Center over the last 25 years is uh, has been important. Um, you know, they... Uh, they have provided the uh, the basis for Verifin uh, de- development into a $2.75 billion company, the biggest, um, I think, uh, unicorn uh, maybe the country has produced in this space. Uh, they're doing a lot of really interesting work. They have uh, a bunch of uh, programs that I think are really uh, uh, doing uh, significantly uh, good things for the province. And uh, it's interesting also to see kind of you know, this is this kind of concludes our survey of the accelerators and incubators in the region. And I don't know about you, but having had these conversations, I can't help but feel more optimistic about the future of this region than I ever have. There's so many interesting things happening kind of behind the scenes, under the radar, that, you know, this is just another example uh, of, a, of the good things that are happening uh, that will lead to greater prosperity for our region. Yeah, I agree with that. Although I think you and I probably have to find some skeptics and uh, and <laughs> to get some balance here because most of the people we talk to are very, very optimistic. But I think that's that's a very uh, positive thing, right? We could have gone around the region talking to these organizations and we could have heard about all the challenges, but we didn't. We heard about all the opportunities and about the real potential. We certainly know there are challenges around the tech workforce, some challenges around access to capital, some concern about uh, immigration and not not being able to attract enough immigration. But at the end of the day, you know, as you say, it's mostly a very optimistic picture and the issues that I just raised are addressable. So, yeah, I come away from this series very excited. And the Peter Marrera podcast that we did uh, uh, put forward some numbers that prove that we're seeing really, really good growth and a lot of investment in our tech sector across the region. Yeah, and I like, uh, you know, one of the things that the Genesis Center is doing that's different from other accelerators and incubators is that they are taking a 2% uh, royalty on companies that kind of reach a certain level of success. Uh, I think they take it over five years and uh, and then they use that money uh, really to fund more activity. And I, I, li- I really like that model. Don't you? It's innovative. We didn't hear that from any of the others. Uh, that's that royalty model. Um, you know, I guess it's consistent with royalties in the offshore with oil and gas. So maybe that culture exists there, but it hasn't been a barrier to attracting startup companies. They actually, uh, they're actually tough in terms of the number of companies that they bring into the enterprise incubator. That, that it's kind of a rigorous process to get into that. You, know, you have to have a, an already. Uh, a, a product that is ready to go or a service that is ready to go. So they're pretty rigorous about it. But uh, I certainly think that uh, that in- royalty model has been an interesting way for them to raise a lot of funding uh, to provide other programs and other services uh, in the community. Yes. And their enterprise program, which is their kind of uh, key program, uh, 
uh, is a three-year program that helps early stage technology companies develop their business and reach their first million dollars in annual recurring revenues. And the, the interesting thing that Michelle pointed out, because we asked her about metrics, is that you know they began tracking uh, in the last few years their success, and they, they, apparently they're at eighty-eight percent success rate of people achieving that uh, that one million dollar uh, entry point, I guess, uh, which is you know pretty darn good. That's right. And in the the current crop of firms in the incubator, 50% are immigrant founded and uh, one third are women uh, uh, female founded. So certainly that those are those are very positive trends as well. Well, and, you know, this continues uh, a theme that we've heard across the region that um, immigrants are, are disproportionately represented in startups in this region. It shows the importance of immigration that a lot of people may not understand why it's important to bring new people into the region. But as Michelle pointed out, and it's and it's true, these are people who are prepared to take risk at a higher level than sort of native-born uh, uh, Canadians. Uh, after all, they took the risk of coming to a new country to begin with. So they're, you know, they don't mind taking risk. And, uh, you know, we need to appreciate the fact that immigrants, when they do that, they're, they're creating economic opportunities for other Canadians. And, uh, and I, I just want to reinforce that fact that, uh, you know, immigration is really a, a, an important part of growing our economy for a lot of reasons. But, you know, you know, starting businesses is also a big part of that. Don, I know you're a big advocate of collaboration within the four provinces and breaking down any walls between mm. the four provinces. And I think this is a good example. Uh, uh, Genesis is partnering with the Ocean Supercluster on something called the Ocean Startup Project, which is focused on ocean tech startup companies. And Genesis uh, was the lead applicant. Uh, and Michelle says that uh, that initiative has been a roaring success for, uh, for the region. So I think we are seeing uh, an increasing amount of collaboration around the development of ocean technology and ocean-related startup companies. Well, she also said, and this is uh, uh, something that we, we, we should expand to the whole region, is that the small size of Newfoundland is an advantage for startups because basically everybody knows everybody, right? Well, the same thing holds true for Atlantic Canada. We're really a pretty small region from a geography point of view and also from a population point of view. And the fact of the matter is, in our conversations with the accelerators and incubators in this region, one thing is crystal clear. They all know each other. They all rely on each other. And I think there's a new attitude uh, developing that success in any part of Atlantic Canada is success for everybody. And, uh, you know, that notion, I think, is pretty important for us going ahead. Yeah, the only other point I would raise is that it is, uh, you know, by her admission, it is a, it is very St. John's. Avalon right. Peninsula focused and th th only about a third, less than a third of the population of Newfoundland and Labrador lives in that area. So increasingly, we'd like to see these incubators serving startups in other smaller communities, uh, you know, across not only Newfoundland and Labrador, but across uh, across Atlantic Canada. Now, Propel, when we talk to uh, Catherine, Propel is, is really much focused on those rural ones. But, you know, you have to think about the fact that Newfoundland and Labrador is a very large uh, uh, geographic area and hopefully uh, companies all across the province can benefit from an organization such as Genesis. Well, you know, we know that we have a challenge in this region. There are, we have lots of really prosperous communities economically. The six largest urban areas are all doing well. 
including St. John's, uh, you know, but it's the smaller communities outside those urban areas that are maybe struggling a little bit. We need to pay more attention to them, not only in terms of economic opportunity, but I, I also think, and we talked about this many times, in terms of population strategies to grow their populations, because I believe, and you probably do too, that economic uh, growth is hard without population growth. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. So without any further ado, here is our interview with Michelle Sims, President and CEO of the Genesis Centre at Memorial University. Michelle, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, we've been doing a series of uh, podcasts with uh, organizations like Genesis uh, who do acceleration and, and incubator work. Uh, but, you know, most of our listeners won't know much about Genesis. Can you tell us what is the organization, when it was founded, and, and kind of, you know, what role it's playing in the Newfoundland economy? Happy to. So Genesis is uh, Memorial University's innovation hub for high growth technology companies. We have been in business for 25 years this year. We have lots to celebrate this year for sure. Genesis, uh, we say we exist to help build amazing companies. We're very focused on, you know, growing small companies to a very, very large scale. And um, we provide a wide array of resources and supports around those companies to help them grow and foster. Well, congratulations on 25 years. I mean, that's a, that's a great achievement on its own. I'd like to find a little bit more about your background before we get into this, some detail about the organization. Can you tell us uh, about your path to your current role as president and CEO at Genesis? Well, I've probably had the most linear career path uh, possible. I, I went to Memorial University and graduated from the Faculty of Business there uh, while working at um or sorry, while studying at Memorial, I started working at the Y Enterprise Center as a business consultant. I was working with traditional businesses uh, like restaurants and, and bed and breakfast to get them off the ground. And uh, my last year at the Y, um, they had a partnership with the Genesis Center, and they were working on a virtual incubator. It was very new and uh, and novel at the time. Mentorship would be done uh, online and, and whatnot. So uh, I took on that project for a year. Um, when the project wound down, the Genesis Center said, well, we have you know a five-month contract here. And that was back in 2002. They said, you can come here for five months, and then we'll sort of see where things go from there. And that was 20 years ago. So <laughs> um, I have held... Um, many, many roles in the Genesis Center and, uh, you know, everything from business analysts to managers to vice president and took on the role of uh, CEO in 2016. Michelle, can you tell us a little bit about the business model for the Genesis Center? Is How do you generate revenue? Do you have a board of directors? Who are your funders? Yeah, absolutely. So our business model is one of the most unique business models for incubators in the country. Uh, we actually have a royalty agreement in place with all of our companies in the enterprise program, stating that once the company reaches a million dollars in gross revenue, uh, they get Genesis gets 2% of their gross revenues for five years or until they've paid Genesis $500,000, whichever comes first. Um, and that is very unique in the rest of the country. 
We call it a pay it forward model. So we're vested in the company's success while they're with us. And when they become successful, they pay it back to us so we can pay it forward to others. Um, that model has allowed us to grow pretty significantly over the last number of years. We have added um, you know, three or four new programs. We have added a micro fund. We've added a whole bunch of other things as well, um, all as a result of the royalty program. Do you have any core funding from government or is it all funded at a royalty? We, we do actually, we get about, it's about a third, a third, a third. So we do get uh, provincial government funding. We get federal government funding. We get in-kind support uh, for space and, and services from the city of St. John's and Memorial University. Uh, it's a bit complex. And then also we have a number of sponsors as well. So we have, um, ExxonMobil, Hibernia Management uh, Development Corporation, we have BDO, Cox and Palmer TD, uh, NASDAQ on as a sponsor, uh, which we I'm sure we'll we'll get into uh, as a result of the Verifin story. And uh, yeah, and so we do have a board of directors, our board of directors is made up largely of the private sector. Uh, they are put in place by the Board of Regents at Memorial University, and uh, our Board of Directors then provides uh, oversight and uh, governance for our organization. How many staff do you have? What's your headcount these days? We have about 17 staff right now. Some of them are working on projects not directly related to core Genesis, but uh, 17 in total. So some of the organizations we've talked to actually uh, provide cash to startups uh, for a share of equity. Uh, do you do that? Do you actually have, uh, do you provide funding to directly to the organizations? We do provide funding directly to our startups, but not in exchange for equity because we have the royalty program. We feel that that works well for us. Um, in 2017 or 2018, we launched a micro fund. So every company that gets accepted into our enterprise program gets a $25,000 check uh, upon acceptance. So that for us works really well. Uh, it's not easy to get into the program. We are quite selective and um, you know, they the the prize at the end of it, I guess, is the uh, the cash and the extensive resources that comes with that through uh, through Genesis as well, including space uh, access to, access to Memorial University resources, um, access to competitive and market intelligence services, and so much more. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the enterprise program. Um, your website states since nineteen ninety seven. Companies have raised over 600 million in capital uh, and have supported around 2,500 jobs since that time. Uh, can you tell us, you, you talked a little bit about some of the services they get, but can you tell us the types of companies you're targeting? Do you have industries that you're specifically looking at or is uh, how do you get into that program if you're uh, an aspiring uh, entrepreneur? That's a really good question. So we are sector agnostic. Uh, we're not looking at specific sectors. We do have, obviously, I think because of our geographic location, sectors that are more visible than others like uh, ocean tech or uh, energy or, you know, what have you. But we have had fintech companies. We've had companies that have been um, 
focused on climate change, those that have been focused on food insecurity. Uh, so really, I think, you know, it, it certainly runs the gamut. Um, companies that are accepted into our program are provided with a, a, a full wealth of resources, everything from access to lawyers and accountants, uh, banking services. They're provided with space um, access to our staff and resources, uh, business consultants, uh, travel funds, the list goes on and on. Michelle, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about the number of companies that are currently in your incubator program at the moment. And and maybe you could give us some examples of the kinds of companies that are uh, in that program. Yeah, happy to. So we uh, we have about 20 companies in the program right now. Um, I'm very happy to say that about 50% of those companies are founded by immigrant entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. about 35 to 40% of those companies were founded by women uh, entrepreneurs. So uh, that ha- ha- we have, I think, significantly transformed the uh, diversity lens of our portfolio over the last 10 years. Um, and so some of the companies in that portfolio right now would include Adorify. They're working on a, a cosmetics uh, application that helps you determine the ingredients that are in cosmetics uh, so that people, you know, with allergies or sensitivities or people who just certainly don't want to put things on their on their face that uh, would would cause harm to them. Uh, they, they're doing some really great things. Um we have NewClick Biologics, and NewClick is working on a gut health uh, check monitor that uh, is a very exciting technology that helps you determine uh, the um, the you know microbiome of your of your gut and uh, what foods you know work well or what foods to avoid uh, given given your uh, unique situation. Uh, we just recently accepted a brand new company in that is. Um, called Ladder Spike. And what Ladder Spike has done is they've built an add-on for ladders to make them much, much safer and uh, uh, and certainly a lot less dangerous for people who use them, uh, whether that is personally or professionally. It's, uh, it's a spike that goes into the ground and, and, uh, and whatnot. So uh, it runs the gamut. You know, we do really have a wide range of, uh, of companies. So, uh, you know, every day is, is a unique challenge and uh, and definitely every day we're learning more about a different sector. Uh, just a little bit more on the enterprise program. It's a three-year program as we understand it uh, with the goal of uh, helping businesses uh, reach a million dollars in annual recurring revenues. Uh, what is your success rate of getting people to that mark uh, yeah. after three years? Yeah. Good point. So we actually um, uh, have only just started monitoring our success rate of getting companies to the million dollar mark in while in the enterprise program. Over the last three or four years, we have uh, transformed our programs considerably. What I can say is that our success rate right now is uh, overall is 88 uh, percent, and that is measured by University Business Incubators Global, which is a, a, a you know a worldwide organization. They measure based on the number of years in business, five years in business post uh, the incubation program, post-graduation. The global average is 67%, so we're well above the global average at at this current time. And uh, our goal over the next three to four years is to see 
60 to 80 percent of our portfolio reach a million dollars in gross revenue while in the enterprise program, while while still in that three-year program. David and I both agree that uh, organizations like you need to have performance metrics that mm-hmm. prove the value of the programming that you're doing. I'm glad to hear that uh, that you have those things in place. It's great. One other question, um, uh, uh, you know, in, in terms of measuring your success, I guess, relates to collaboration with other organizations for me. So as an example, are, are you doing anything with the, um, you know, Canada's um, Ocean Supercluster Group? Is there any connection going on between your center and, and that organization? Yeah, so we uh, we build collaborations into almost everything we do. Uh, we say, you know, certainly takes a village to raise a startup. You, it, mm-hmm. One a startup can't survive with just one entity, uh, and so we work with a wide number of business incubators and accelerators across the country. Specific to Canada's ocean supercluster, Genesis, in partnership with five other innovation uh, hubs across Atlantic Canada, uh, got together about three or four years ago and uh, put in a significant $7 million proposal to Canada's ocean supercluster, which was accepted. And that um, resulted in the development of the Ocean Startup Project. Uh, The Ocean Startup Project exists to help uh, make Atlantic Canada the best place in the world to start and grow an ocean tech company. Genesis is the lead applicant on that project. And I'm very, very, very happy to say that the Ocean Startup Project has been a, a roaring success for us from the from the beginning. So we have, you know, developed the Lab to Market Oceans program that now runs at Memorial University and uh, explores, you know, how to how do we get more research out of labs and, and research centers uh, at universities across the Atlantic region. It's also resulted in the development of uh, CDL, the Creative Destruction Lab for Oceans, in uh, in based in Halifax, but they were here recently and did a session here as well. And it also resulted in a challenge competition that we do for ocean tech companies uh, across Canada to basically seed these early stage ocean tech companies with money because ocean tech is a little more unique than a lot of other, you know, starting a lot of other tech companies. Um, it's a lot more expensive. It, uh, the, you know, the time cycle to get to market is a lot longer. Uh, oftentimes they have to jump over certification or regulatory hoops. And so uh, we really felt strongly that if we were going to launch programming, that we had to have a challenge competition where we could seed these startups with small amounts of money to, uh, to get their businesses off the ground as well. So we have literally touched, um, you know, probably anywhere in the order of 60 to 100 businesses, uh, different businesses with that program in the last three years. Uh, Very pleased to hear that. I mean, uh, both David and I feel that there's great opportunity for Atlantic Canada to work together. um, And we're seeing lots of evidence of that in our conversations Mm -hmm. with various organizations, whether it's Cove or Nova Corps and and Nova Scotia and uh, the New Brunswick Innovation uh, Foundation, uh, it's really encouraging, honestly, to hear this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Michelle, you said earlier that it, there were quite a few hoops or hurdles to get through to get into the enterprise program that not just everybody gets in, but you do offer this shorter program called the Evolution Program 
to help with idea validation. Can you explain it a bit to us and tell us how many entrepreneurs go through that program every year? Absolutely. So the Evolution program was uh, devised in 2014. And really, the, the goal of that program was to get people thinking, people who are sitting at home thinking, I have an idea, but I don't know where to start or what to do, to get them out of their homes and into an environment where they're surrounded by other people thinking the same thing about, I have an idea, but I don't know what to do, and uh, bring them all together in partnership with some entrepreneurs who've been through it before and who've started their company and, and have gotten it off the ground, um, and to show them the steps. So we do a lot of customer discovery. We do uh, you know getting them out, talking to customers, helping to, them to understand what questions to ask to customers, uh, helping them understand you know what their market looks like, what the market would be what would be willing to accept in terms of a product, um, and so on and so forth. And really, you know, we do a lot of pitch coaching there as well, helping them refine their business idea. Uh, and it all culminates. It's an eight-week program. So at the end of the eight weeks, there's a community event where there are five or six companies that, uh, you know, have done very well in the eight-week program that are selected to uh, pitch at the end. And uh, then the top companies walk away with a little bit of cash. It's not significant, uh, but it's enough to keep them interested and keep them going. And um, so every year we have about 60 companies that go through that program uh, in the run of a year. 60, I shouldn't call them companies, really. It's 60 ideas because oftentimes, you know, they may not uh, they may not start the business from that initial seed. But what is really interesting and what we find um, really good and beneficial about that program is that we oftentimes have people do that program over again and again and again, because they will have one idea and realize at the end of the eight weeks that that's not really going to work. Uh, and then they will come back with another idea. Uh, what we're also finding, which is also very interesting, is that many of the people who do the program, the evolution program, if they don't start the business themselves, they end up working for someone else in uh, in tech. So they end up at Verifin or they end up at Misa or Genoa or ClearRisk. Uh, so what we, I, I think that was unintentional. We didn't anticipate that we would be seeding all of these people uh, with entrepreneurial skills in these companies, but certainly I, I view it as uh, as a bonus for sure. We also have the Evolution Plus program. So we identified a gap between Evolution and, and Enterprise uh, a couple of years ago. And last summer, we launched the Evolution Plus program. And that program is for companies that have graduated from Evolution and really want to see their company um, continue. And, you know, they do much more customer discovery in that program. They really hone in on their market to try and identify if they have a fit with the market. Um, and really, our goal with the Evolution Plus program is to get them to a minimum viable products. So once they have something that's tangible, uh, that they can then enter the enterprise program. You mentioned earlier, and I was uh, really interested in this aspect of the work that you're doing that uh, about, I think you said about 50% of the people you're working with are um, immigrants, if, I'm, if I recall correctly, and, and about a third who are women. Is that right? 
Yes, that's correct. Yep. And you actually have a specific program uh, called Women in Tech. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish with this program? And are you starting to see evidence of success in women uh, founding tech uh, firms uh, across the province? Yeah, absolutely. So about 10 years ago, we were walking the halls at Genesis and realized at that very moment, uh, you know, we had a number of women on staff at Genesis, but at that very moment, there was not a single woman inside of any of the companies in our uh, portfolio. And uh, we started asking ourselves, well, you know, why is this the case? Is it because we haven't created an environment that is, you know, beneficial for women or or uh, nurturing for women? Is it something about our programs? And so we started launching into really investigative mode. Uh, We launched a peer group that started with seven women uh, who were, you know, quite entrenched in the technology sector. And uh, from there, we started a, um, I I would say, a very deliberate effort to get more women into the program, to understand their needs, to, you know, really um, try and change. Because what what we realized, Don, is, you know, when when you only have half of the population participating in uh, the technology sector, then you have just one gender developing technology that everyone in the population is going to use. And so it certainly becomes a a challenge when you think about, like, I I keep going back to the way seatbelts were designed. Seatbelts were designed by a team of men and uh, they apparently, and I don't know this because I'm not a health professional, but apparently they don't work well for women. Uh, and so, you know, we, we really need to have that um, that different gendered lens on technologies that are being developed. And so that was really the the linchpin that sort of started our curiosity in, uh, in that uh, field. From there, we got funding from the Newfoundland and Labrador um, Workforce Innovation Center to do a three-year study on uh, newcomers and, uh, and and women to try and really understand, you know, what the gaps were in programming, uh, what were, what was happening around the world that was really beneficial for, uh, you know, for these different groups and uh, how we might be able to bring some of that back here to Newfoundland and Labrador. And so since then, we've really grown our portfolio from no women in the program to about 35 percent of the of the founders are women. And then, you know, on top of that, our our founders are hiring women in leadership roles and the junior roles. And uh, so we are starting certainly to see a lot more. We have a lot of work to do in in all of the fields of diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging. And certainly there's uh, we're certainly not done yet. But uh, we're very proud of the work that we've done to date. Uh, just a quick follow-up question: In, in terms of your geographic uh, coverage, uh, obviously uh, you're in St. John's. Uh, you know, are you seeing this uh, across the province? This uh, interest in, you know, uh, starting firms across the province. Are you working with firms across the province? 
So we have worked with firms across the province uh, from the beginning. I want to say that our very first client was based in Stephenville. I think it was Innova Multimedia many, many moons ago uh, was the very first client of Genesis. And they were based in Stephenville and the team would have worked with them remotely. We've always been set up to work with companies remotely. Uh, What I would say today is that we probably have a great deal of interest in the evolution program. um, from outside of this, you know, the Northeast Avalon region. Um, but as the companies get further along, um, they largely end up being St. John's or Northeast Avalon based. Um, I think that's largely a result of the infrastructure. We just simply don't have, you know, the the broadband infrastructure that we need right now. I know it's coming and I know that, you know, there's lots of work being done not only across the island, but also into Labrador as well. And I'm quite excited about all the neat and unique ideas that will come once everyone gets, uh, uh, you know, high speed, high speed internet access, because I think that really is all companies need right now uh, to start and launch a, a tech company. And even, even in terms of, you know, software and coding, yes, if you're building something very complex, you do need um, to have that deep knowledge knowledge of, of software and coding, but there are a lot of programs out there right now that are no code programs that you can, you know, run your ideas through and come out the other end with a product. So uh, lots of lots of excitement uh, for the future for the province in the tech sector, for sure. So I've been around about, well, this is my the 30th year since I graduated from university. And of course, Don's been around a little bit longer. We won't <laughs> mention how long Don's been around. Uh, But over that time, most of the national media about covering stories in Atlantic Canada has been pretty negative. And what I'm finding in the last few years is that there's been more and more positive stories, which is very exciting, including stories about Newfoundland and Labrador. There was one actually yesterday in the Globe and Mail about the tech sector, uh, quoting Genesis, very, very positive story about what's going on in tech, particularly Mm -hmm. around immigrant and female founders. And last fall, there was a very interesting documentary on the CBC called Silicon Island. Uh, I had a chance to watch that before our interview and we'll put a link up to that documentary because it's very, very interesting. But one of the things when I went through that, I thought was very interesting is you were quoted as saying the province's small size can be an advantage. Can you explain what you mean by that? I think the small size of our province is an advantage. And uh, and I think that for a number of reasons. So first and foremost, um, companies that start here are not a number. They're they're known by very quickly if they have success. Um, very quickly, that company's name is known by virtually everyone in the tech sector in this province. And the the interesting thing about our province too, being small, is that everyone is willing to help and lend a hand, and and you know eager to share a program or a resource or a connection. Um, and so that really helps. The other thing that I think we have going for us that sometimes we forget is the fact that we have Newfoundlanders and Labradorians planted all over the globe. And those people, for whatever reason, uh, have this really strong sense of home and place 
uh, and respect for Newfoundland and Labrador and pride in the province. And so when we reach out to people from Newfoundland and Labrador that might be in Singapore or Dubai or, you know, Las Vegas or what have you, uh, and say, we have a startup that is looking for some help. Are you able to help them? They almost jump out of their seats with joy. They're so excited to lend a hand and help the companies and uh, just really want to give back to the province in whatever way they can. And uh, I, I, I don't like to say this, but I want to say I don't know that that happens in any other province in this country. Uh, I think we have something unique there. And, uh, and certainly it's something that we've been taking advantage of. I just wanted to jump in quickly that, you know, one of the, I, I understand that that uh, advantage is smallness for Newfoundland and Labrador, but I just want to make a point that uh, the interconnectedness that exists in Atlantic Canada is unparalleled in the rest mm-hmm. of the country. Mm-hmm. You know, we and again, part of the reason is that it's relatively small in terms of size. And that's an advantage that I, you know, I, I, I personally think we need to take, uh, you know, a greater uh, sort of uh, advantage of because, you know, you know everybody in the region, I'm sure, who's involved in your business, right? You know everybody. Absolutely, yes. And, and you can pick up a phone, you can make a connection, you know, you're all kind of working in, in sync trying to achieve the same thing. And honestly, I, I get the sense now more and more that people want every part of the region to be successful. They don't, mm-hmm. you know, they want their own province to be successful, but they see success in other Atlantic Canadian provinces as equally beneficial to the mm-hmm. region. Don't you think? A hundred percent. And and that really is the premise of why we started the Ocean Startup Project. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a partnership between Genesis, Innovacorp, Springboard Atlantic, uh, NBIF in New Brunswick, um, PEI Bio Alliance and CDL. And our goal from the get go, when we got together that first uh, day in a boardroom, we said this needs to benefit at all of Atlantic Canada and it can't be set up to the benefit of just one of us. It has to be for the benefit of all of us. Uh, And we have really carried that mission through um, right to today. Um, You know, every time that we get speakers, we're always looking pan-Atlantically. Every time that, you know, we're we're funding startups, we're looking pan-Atlantically and we want the best, but we want the best in every region. And so, and we want the best for every region. So I would absolutely agree with that. I think that connection between the expatriate Newfoundland and Labradorians and the province is very, very interesting. It might even be your secret sauce. I remember when Danny Williams announced, I think it was the Hebron Project, he said, this announcement is for all Newfoundland and Labradorians, uh, those living in the province and those living elsewhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And that was a weird distinction. I'd never heard that from any of the other premiers, right? This idea that, yes, you've moved away because you had to or whatever re- for whatever reason, but you're still and you're always going to be a Newfoundlander or a Labradorian. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a very interesting thing. And I do think that is uh, it is a secret sauce. I don't see it elsewhere in Atlantic Canada, Don, with the exception of Cape Breton. Cape right. Bretoners, once they go, so maybe it's an island thing, but once once they go, they do always feel that connection back to the home island. And, uh, mm-hmm. and being able to leverage that in this way, I think, is very interesting, Michelle. I wanted to ask you a little bit about Verifin. Um, according to the Globe and Mail, this was not only the largest in Atlantic Canada, but the largest venture deal in Canadian history. And I don't know if that's true, but that's what it was quoted in the Globe and Mail. 
some around 2.75 billion US. Can you tell our listeners a bit about this firm and how it came to be so valuable? Yeah, absolutely. Verifin is uh, is everyone's favorite topic these days. Uh, the company was founded in 2003, um, and it was an inter- It was interesting how the company got started. So, an alumnus from Memorial University came back to the university with an idea and some cash, and said, "You know, I have I want a team of students to work on this business idea." I reckon it was shortly after um, the the 9-11 incident and he recognized that there was going to be, uh, you know, some changes that were going to be needed in the banking system. And so he um, met with the founders of what then was Intrignia. It was a company in the Genesis Center founded by three young master's students from Memorial University, and they were working on uh, detecting um, of things in underground mining and trying to automate um, under uh, underground mining, essentially. And uh, so they really hit it off. And the, the founders shut down the company of Intrignia. Within a few months, they had uh, Verifin started and really had started to dig in on the problem of uh, fraud detection and money laundering detection in banks and credit unions. And as Jamie would tell the story, you know, they initially started traveling all over North America and South America looking for their first customer and uh, came back and sort of all deflated that they couldn't really find a first customer. And uh, he, I think he said he was sitting in, in Peru in a bank and someone said to him, well, who in Canada is using this? And he said, no one. And then he came back and said, we need to find a Canadian customer. And I remember being in the board meeting uh, with them. It was an advisory board that they had established at the time. And the board, one of the board members who was with the Royal Bank said, have you thought about the Newfoundland and Labrador Credit Union? And so a few calls were made and, the, and a couple of introductions later, and they had their first customer, which was a kilometer down the road from where they were located, which is quite ironic. Uh, but but that really was the pre- uh, precipice for their growth. The Newfoundland and Labrador Credit Union connected them with other credit unions across Canada of similar size and scope. And uh, really what we saw was a snowball effect. And it was really interesting to watch that that growth happen um, because I think they got their, their uh, understanding and, and, you know, taste for business by traveling externally. And then they realized, okay, we really need to put our blinders on. We really need to focus on credit unions, dominate that market, and then we can expand from there. And so they very quickly went from one customer to 10 to 15 to 20. And then, you know, it sort of, they started adding employees. They outgrew Genesis well before for graduation day, uh, we actually had them uh, stuffed in in places where we, you know, we probably shouldn't have had so many people, but uh, we were trying to do what we could to help their growth and their cash flow. And uh, then, you know, the time came for them to move out. And I think by the time they moved out, they may have had about thirty or. 
30 to 35 employees. Um, and the company just never lost sight of that uh, focus on the market. And, you know, they were really, really product driven. Uh, they were talking to their customers every day and integrating uh, changes into the product. Um, they're, they're very, very strategic, uh, very purpose driven. So they didn't just say, you know, we're developing a solution for fraud detection for banks. They're, they're crime fighters. Uh, they're trying to do something uh, much bigger and much more purposeful. And they have integrated that into every facet of their business. Um, and so it's been a really interesting story to watch. I think, um, you know, they really became quite valuable when they dominated the Canadian credit union market, they dominated the American credit union market, and then started moving into the banks. And I think that's really when they got the attention of folks like NASDAQ. Um, and so NASDAQ, you know, connected with them and um, uh, over over a series of meetings, I'm sure they came to an, an agreement on uh, on what would become one of the biggest deals in Canadian history of two point seven five billion dollars Canadian tech company uh, history. Uh, and uh, so it was a quite quite an exciting story. And uh, the day that the news broke, it was very, uh, very exciting. The news went worldwide. Um, and, you know, and over the course of the, the, that day and the day that followed, I think I did 28 or 29 interviews. Genesis was actually listed in the press release uh, with NASDAQ as well. Um, so Verifin negotiated into the deal to have uh, Genesis receive a million dollars U.S. from uh, NASDAQ to help us continue to grow amazing companies. So we thought that was pretty special and pretty amazing for sure. So where's all that 2.75 billion going? Are you seeing Maseratis and Ferraris around St. John's or what's happening with all that money? Well, I'm very happy to report that we're seeing it going into startups because, uh, you know, that's always the concern is that uh, people take the money and, and run, uh, which is not the, not the case at all. Um, what we are seeing is we're seeing a lot more angel investment in our community. And, uh, you know, really, it's not just the founding team. You think about people at at Verifin who've been with the company since the beginning, they have been surrounded by startups, uh, whether it be in Genesis or they've done, you know, uh, strategic planning workshops for our clients over the years. They've mentored our clients. Some of the coders we've had back and have done, you know, women in tech coding sessions with our, our clients. So uh, they're really entrenched and ingrained in the, um, startup ecosystem here. And uh, really what we've seen is uh, quite a bit of activity of angel investment into the community, um, which makes me very happy for sure. And and I guess the good news is, is that Verifin is still in Newfoundland and Labrador. It hasn't gone away like so many companies yeah. do when they get bought out and it's still a big player in the market, right? They've just celebrated 900 employees. They brought on their 900th employee this week. Uh, so they're here. They're here for a while, uh, for long the long haul, um, and they have big plans. So they, uh, you know, have plans to grow and uh, glow, growing into global markets, uh, expanding their workforce. They're looking to hire more talent here all the time. It's it's just an exciting story all around for sure. 
And, you know, that's, that's what we need. We need people to be successful, uh, for the founders to do well, but for them to stay. So that's a really good news story uh, for sure. And, of course, the golden grail for companies or organizations like you are these unicorns, right, that uh, get to a billion-dollar valuation at some point. We've had a few in Atlantic Canada. Um, uh, what are the prospects for more? In your opinion, well, well, what I would say first is uh, yes, I think you know it's it's exciting to have a company that reaches unicorn status and has that big exit. I think it's also equally as exciting when you have newcomers uh, come to the province and you know they're able to start and launch a company and grow it to thirty or forty people and maybe bring several million dollars from their home country into Canada uh, to assist with the growth. So um, I, I look at it as, you know, this is an ecosystem and we need all sorts of success stories. Um, and, you know, we want more verifants, yes, but we also want a lot of other variety of companies as well. And so uh, to answer your question, you know, what, what do you think our prospects are? I think they're pretty good. Um, I think, you know, we have a lot of, um, big, successful, up-and-coming technology companies in this province right now. And uh, it's, you know, it's very exciting time. There's Genoa Design that has more than 250 employees that's doing work all over the world in, in shipbuilding. Uh, Clear Risk is doing, you know, some incredible work in the risk management space. Um, hey Orca is doing great work with social media, succeed with uh, hydroponic units and teaching kids how to grow vegetables in, in schools. Um, and then there's Misa and Colab, both of which, uh, which announced um, big deals last year in the 20 million plus range. Uh, so, you know, I think We've got a lot of companies and they're all at varying stages of, of growth and development, uh, but certainly the future looks very bright. Uh, I just want to get back to the story about immigrants making up such a large proportion of uh, startups uh, um, in the tech sector, at least, I suppose. Uh, you know, I'm cognizant of the, of the role that uh, Memorial is playing in drawing immigrants to the province. That's I forget the number, but it's a big number of uh, immigrant students, international students right now. Uh, research that I conducted in the past uh, um, indicated that a large proportion of immigrants want to stay in the country after they graduate, over 60%, I think was the number. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to, I want you to tell us, uh, you know, uh, you know, what is being done specifically to target within the university, the startup community? Is, is that where most of them are coming from or are they coming from offshore? Yeah, so absolutely. Memorial University has a huge role to play in uh, the the establishment of immigrants in this province. Uh, they travel the world recruiting students to come here. And so some of those students are undergrads, some of them are master's levels or, you know, PhD level. And uh, I think, you know, places like Genesis have a role to play in keeping them here and keeping them interested in um 
in the province and, you know, keeping their, their brain talent here and, and so on and helping them build families and, and, and lives here. Uh, so we work very closely with Memorial's Internationalization Office with Memorial Center for Entrepreneurship as well. We really have a continuum inside of the university with Memorial's Tech Transfer Office and others um, to really identify, you know, what the needs are of uh, the international students that are coming. They're very innovative and much more risk tolerant uh, than, uh, than, you know, students from Newfoundland and Labrador generally. And I, I hate to use those sort of sweeping uh, stereotypes, but uh, certainly, you know, what we're seeing is international students, they're, they're taking a chance of leaving their home country and their families and coming to a new country to study. So they've already taken a risk and a, and a, and a little bit of a leap of faith. Starting a new tech company is uh, sort of, you know, not that big of a stretch for them in comparison to uh, what it would be for someone from St. John's. So, uh, you know, we've had great success there. The companies are growing, um, you know, really neat ideas. They're hiring lots of people. Uh, what we're also finding is that they're, you know, many of them are returning to their home country and seeking out investment. And so they're, they're bringing investment uh, dollars in from outside of Canada, which is which is always great to see. Um, so overall, we're very happy that, to see, you know, many international students uh, starting companies in this province. And uh, we're very happy to support them along that journey. I wanted to ask you a question about the bigger picture. So Newfoundland and Labrador's economic growth has been lagging the rest of the country in recent years. A lot of that is tied to do, tied with the oil and gas sector. And of course, that sector is coming back now. And we've had a couple of big investment announcements in that sector recently. So that sector is probably going to do okay over the near term or the midterm. Mm-hmm. But you have demographic challenges, and we certainly would like to see more diversification, more growth in other sectors of the economy. Um do you think tech-based entrepreneurship can be a part of turning the story around or diversifying a little bit away from oil and gas over the next couple of decades? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think what people, I don't, what I don't want people to get caught up on is that Newfoundland and Labrador has one big industry. I think Newfoundland and Labrador should have many big industries. Um, and, you know, that helps offset some of when, when oil and gas has a downturn, then it shouldn't really impact um the rest of the province. What we've seen in our province, unfortunately, over the you know the last several decades, is that we had uh, one industry that the entire province was hinging on, and you know what we saw that in the fishery. We've seen that in oil and gas, and I think the great thing about the technology sector is that because uh, we have basically sector agnostic companies spread all through um, our tech sector. Um, you know, all of all of the industries are not going to collapse at once. And uh, so we have mining, you know, companies here that are doing mining technologies, companies that are doing ocean technologies and companies that are doing uh, platforms for um uh, for shopping and retail. And so, you know, I think there is enough diversity in the companies that exist uh, that uh, we should have long-term sustained success. And and the technology sector doesn't see the, the you know, the major swings that um, natural resource companies do, or, or sorry, industries do see. So, um, I you know, I think the technology sector is definitely a, a 
going to be a benefit to our province and to our economy. Um, and we just need to remain focused on growing it every single day and expanding and nurturing it and uh, caring for it. You know, we don't we don't want to build an industry here that on, all of a sudden becomes unsustainable. So we just need to make sure that we're nurturing and caring for it as well. Uh, we recently had an opportunity to uh, have a lengthy conversation with Premier Fury. Uh, we came both way from that conversation, encouraged, frankly, by his uh, uh, clear vision of how to move the province uh, forward in the coming years. You know, um, uh, you, you mentioned some of the challenges. I recently uh, wrote a column about the impact of the census numbers in, uh, in Atlantic Canada, and it's good news for all of the region except for Newfoundland, where Mm-hmm. You know, there was population decline uh, that happened in, over the previous five years. So uh, obviously the demographic and population issues continue, especially from a labor perspective, I guess. Uh, is the province trying to uh, foster, you know, a more tech-based innovation in more traditional industries like oil and gas, for instance, or fishing and mining? Is that a part of your uh, focus? Yes. So the partnership that Genesis has with ExxonMobil and Hibernia Management Development Corporation is really focused on energy companies. Uh, We are trying to uh, create more connections to um, oil and gas. We're trying to get our startups, uh, you know, in the supply chain of uh, of oil and gas, um, really trying to get them to understand the problems that some of the oil industry faces and how we, um, you know, how we as a startup community look at some of those problems and identify solutions for it. Um, And it's been working really well so far. I would say we're really early in the, we're not even a year into our three-year partnership, but so far we've had a lot of really early wins, which has been exciting. And, uh, you know, we're just, we're just very uh, eager to be taking on more initiatives like this. We see that there's so many opportunities in mining and fishing and, aquaculture and others for continued innovation. Uh, innovation is not something you do one year and then you're done. It's, uh, it, you know, as we all know, it's, uh, uh, it's a continuous process. And so we're very excited to be working with, uh, with these two partners, but certainly also looking forward to more like this. Just a couple more questions, Michelle, but this one's a bit of a whopper. Uh, In the last couple of years, finding and keeping talent has been a growing challenge for tech firms across Atlantic Canada. We've heard stories of of, uh, talent, uh, you know, jumping from one firm to to a firm not based in the region for a $50,000 raise and things like that. So it does seem that these national and international firms are raiding some of our top talent. And in many cases, the workers aren't actually leaving the region. They're staying here, but they're working for Google or Mm -hmm. Amazon or some of these uh, Facebook and so on. Mm-hmm. I guess the question for you is, are you seeing that in Newfoundland and Labrador? And if so, are you or other organizations doing anything to try and ensure that the tech firms in the province can recruit that, uh, that talent? So talent is perhaps our biggest issue to growth here in this province right now. And I would say it's not talent in all um, it, in, in all forms, we have, you know, a plethora, I think, of 
of different positions available, but uh, there are some certain positions like software development, software engineering, uh, you know, and, and especially more junior uh, positions, I would say that uh, are much more difficult to for our companies to recruit for. Uh, we are seeing uh, companies that are getting, sorry, people that are getting recruited by companies from away uh, for large sums of money. Uh, but uh, what our goal is, is to keep them here in the province so that, you know, maybe they see the grass is not really greener <laughs> on the other side and they want to come back. Uh, so our goal is to, you know, uh, keep them in the province, keep them connected to the the, the sector. We at Genesis run a co-working space in downtown St. John's. Um, in the city's, uh, I guess, the top two floors of the city's uh, railway coastal museum building. And uh, so really that space is for people who are working remotely and want uh, to work around or alongside of others. So our goal there is, you know, if you're working for Facebook in, in San Francisco, uh, maybe you should come hang out with the startups that are here locally. And, uh, you know, some of the exciting things they're doing might rub off on you and you might want to, you know, go and and work for them one day in the future, or you might want to start something of your own at some point in the future. So, uh, you know, keeping them all together and surrounded by other uh, founders in the local ecosystem, I think is important to us. Um, we, you know, Memorial University has been doing a lot of work trying to increase their numbers. I think there's more still to be done there in, in, in terms of increasing the number of graduates of computer science and engineering. I know that, uh, you know, uh, the College of the North Atlantic introduced software program. The challenge with all of this is that it takes a couple of years, sometimes up to five years to graduate uh, people. And by then it's too late or the problem has gotten bigger and, and more wieldy. So, uh, it, you know, one of the one of the things is we're very focused on trying to immigrate people into the province as well. I know that the provincial government has initiatives in place where they are trying to recruit people from outside of Canada to come to uh, Newfoundland and Labrador. I know a lot of the tech companies are bringing in talent from outside of the country. Um, and, you know, I think that that unfortunately is how we're going to have to operate for a little while longer. Uh, but I really do think that this will normalize over time. Michelle, we always like to end the conversation with a view towards the future. Uh, we have to assume that you're bullish on the future. I mean, you couldn't be in your job without being bullish. But if you were to look ahead, let's say five years, where do you see Newfoundland and Labrador in five years time? I think one, I was thinking about this earlier. One of the things about Newfoundland and Labrador is, you know, our tech sector is still relatively new. Um, you know, when you think about it, it's probably only 15 to 20 years of of uh, real sort of snowballing growth and maybe even less than that. Um, I think with the exit from uh, the from Verifin, I think with, uh, you know, a number of other really exciting things that have happened in this province recently. Um, and I, you know, there are probably six or seven other acquisitions that have happened in the last two years. Uh, we're going to see a lot more reinvestment of that money into our local startup ecosystem. System. Um, and I really do see that snowball getting bigger and bigger and bigger as it uh, as it rolls down the hill. So I, I only have exciting things in my mind for the future. I think Newfoundland and Labrador is well positioned uh, to continue to grow.
grow the tech sector. And I also think with broadband internet access becoming more readily available across the province that we're going to be able to see more tech companies start and grow in other places outside of the Northeast Avalon, uh, which should hopefully help the economy in some of those smaller uh, regions as well. Subsea imaging is a fantastic example of that in Clarenville, Newfoundland. They have uh, probably about 40 people out there. and that company has been in business for close to 15 years. So, uh, you know, they're, they're a great success story. And we just need 20 more subseas across the <laughs> province. And we'll get there. <laughs> well, Michelle, uh, David and I would like to thank you for joining us on the Insights Podcast. Uh, you know, it's very uh, good story that you, you have to tell about Genesis and the work that you're doing. Congratulations again for uh, the 25th anniversary. Uh, These are important stories that most people don't know much about. And uh, we appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Uh, Thanks again for joining us today. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the latest episode of the Huddle Insights Podcast. Mark Legere helped produce this episode. You can follow the show and listen to past episodes on podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify. And if you've enjoyed listening, please recommend the show to a friend. Don and David will be back again next week.